Uh, good evening. I appreciate it very much. Uh, R-rated sermon last, uh, that was this past week, wasn't it? This past Sunday, you know. Uh, but even a little bit more, the one Sunday night as our pastor challenged us with regard to uh, uh, praying for our kids or grandkids and or. And remember, uh, 15 minutes, what was that, 15 minutes a day? You know, just maybe add that in to what our prayer matters and things are. And I thought that was super. And... Uh, just, uh, just a great need. Prayer is so precious and so valuable, and uh, I know you take advantage of it. I'll use that word not only on a, a Wednesday night, but uh, other times as well. Uh, makes us strong in our dependence upon uh, upon the Lord. And back in the 1969, gas was 27 cents a gallon. Sometimes it was 26 cents up to the next station. So that's where I went, wherever was a penny. I was happy with a 55 Chevy. I'd be happier today if I still had it. Uh, I was attending Bible college, uh, working part-time, and uh, uh, re- helping to revive a, a little Baptist church about 20 miles from where I was at school. Playing soccer and starting to date. I was a glutton for punishment but at the same time, that little church, one of the men said, we ought to have a prayer meeting. And uh, I said, yep, we ought to pray and not faint, not give up. So I drive the 20 miles, and uh, usually it was him, the one man, Mr. Newell. We had some great prayer times. Uh, encouraged others to come, but uh, just didn't seem to connect with regard to it at, uh, at that time. And at that time, I, I came across a bit of a conversation. A little, you get, we hear some conversations that once in a while sting a little bit. And, and this one stung me many years ago. And, and uh, so we kind of got a conversation. There's a man of the church, a regular tender, talking with a man of the world who never goes to church. And uh, so the man of the church says, a strange thing happened in church on Sunday. Now, this would never happen here. Our pastor fell asleep while preaching. The man of the world said, that is strange. And the man of the church said, no, that's not strange. But he fell asleep in the pulpit, and no one in the congregation noticed it. The man of the world said, that certainly is strange. The man of the church said, no, that's not strange either. What's strange is we didn't realize what happened, continued in the service until Wednesday. But when we got home, we found that no one in the town even missed us. And the man of the world said, "Mm, that's not strange at all. Wow. Thought on that often with prayer meeting. I like to push with regard to, regard to prayer meeting. It's, it's our, our breathing, our breath time. Uh, as natural as breathing it ought to be. And uh, that little story, a little, a little bit of a sting there as we come together with hearts with many requests that have been shared and many others 
that, uh, that are there. And, and I use that to bring us back into Colossians here in chapter 3, where we, we know with regard to this message that we're, we're to be those as resurrected from the dead, seeking those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Colossians 3 and verse 2. So he says, set, establish your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The reason being for you died. And your life is hidden, a precious little thought, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The first two chapters of Colossians, as with some of the other epistles, are all about doctrine. Some, some, some real deep stuff, but all real good stuff, uh, doctrine. Then the second two chapters in many of the epistles, like this one, chapter 3 and chapter 4, are what I call directions or directives. These are some directives. You got doctrine, we got uh, directives. And as we meet together to uh, uh, exalt the Savior, and we meet together to edify one another, and we meet together to encourage our hearts to be about uh, the evangelism ministry that Christ so graciously left with us to do, we come across this Bible principle that uh, a proper foundation comes before proper Christian living. Many an individual and I was one of them, tried to live the Christian life when they've never had a foundation laid. And we get in trouble. And it takes much longer to grow along in the things of the Lord. So the example is we plant, we plant good and proper seed in order to get good and, uh, and proper fruit with regard to it. We are Christ's purchase by his precious blood. It humbles my heart every time I think of it and uh, indeed read it. And uh, we're being weaned from the world to dwell in the Word. And that, that weaning takes place as we dwell in the Word. And we're dead. And being such, we are sending ahead our treasures to heaven. I thought often on that as the Lord's blessed me and my wife with a, a home, first one we've ever had in our lives, and that was ours. And uh, yet I, I keep thinking of all the things we have. And I keep thinking, I, you know, someone else is going to bury it, sell it at a yard sale or burn it or do something with it. They might as well do what you can to push it along, you know, if you can. Uh, uh, so many things we have. We get so attached to, to things. And so making it a determination not to have that, all that stuff. I appreciate it and love it. I got a lot of precious things but they're, they're of this earth. I'm not going to have them in a knapsack when I head for heaven. Um, well, uh, we're to be dead with Christ. And dead to the ways of this world that we often are far too alive to. So chapter 3 is reminding us of all this in a letter to a local church, to you and I, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives some directions, directives. You know how it is. Maybe you've bought some item, and in the box there's a page that has the directions of how to put it together, and any good man knows you never look at them. Uh, 
until after you've put it together incorrectly. And uh, there are directions. It's nice to have directives. And here we have uh, so many glorious things that are put before us from the hand of God. Uh, directions from God. How to live each day. We don't have to wonder and think about it and make up our own uh, way. But in a world that's not our home, uh, we need to remind ourselves that we're just passing through and stop putting the stakes down too deep and uh, having our hearts and minds upon, as we've just read in this Colossians in the first four verses, where, where have we set our minds? Reminds us of that phrase from Paul elsewhere. Remember in the book of Philippians when he said, Oh, that I might know him. The power of his resurrection. And here, seek those things which are above. Where is our attention? What has our attention? What has our time? And uh, uh, the emphasis with regard to our lives. Well, there are directives given here, and we're looking at them just a little bit. And... and, uh, we're certainly not going in any way to have covered all of them in our bits of time, but I trust enough that would encourage us to get the book open and look and think upon them and look down through them. So verse 5, 5, 6, and 7, we have this mortify, therefore put to death, or therefore mortify. Uh, your members, uh, these are vices which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked with the idea, well, if you did it once, you're not doing it now, are you? Which you once walked in when you lived uh, in them. So we got things to put to death. That's, that's the first directive. Uh, we have to, to mortify. Then we go quickly to verse 8 and 9, the second directive, to put off. It's kinda, these are kind of things like that old-fashioned flypaper that would stick to your hands and you couldn't get rid of it. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Uh, anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man and his deeds. And we press on. There, there are things to put on when you come to verse 10. When you take off something, you put on that which is a replacement, much better, more valuable, and precious. So verse 10, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the things of him who created uh, him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. As a verse, take care of all the race problems there ever has been. All in Christ. All uh, that have come to know him. Therefore, we move ahead to verse 12, as uh, finish this little topic, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. These are pictured like garments. Put them on. Uh, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And above all these things, 
put on love, which is the bond of perfection. In verse 15, he has the fourth directive for us. And let or allow the peace of God to rule in your hearts. Some take the word rule in verse 15 like an umpire, to umpire in your hearts. To which you also were called in one body. And the next directive is be thankful. Directive number five, be thankful. And then the direction uh, uh, number uh, seven, that of uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing and one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. That's all some of us can do is sing with grace in our hearts because if we sing any other way, it'll, everyone's ears will be destroyed. But uh, we can with grace in our hearts to the Lord. And then he wraps it up as uh, we would in our reading, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. The Holy Spirit has set before us here those words which he had Paul to write down to uh, confer upon us his blood-bought people. Some beautiful titles. When you go back into uh, verse 12 and just be reminded, therefore, as the elect of God, we, we are those chosen of God. We're the crowning grace of God, all of God, nothing of us. Number two, we are holy, of course, means set apart. We're able to live by the things of God that he's put before us here. And also in the verse, we are beloved. How humbling. You know, to be loved by God, the beloved. What grace there is. And while it would be valuable to deal with each one of these garments that are listed here, uh, and, and certainly it is that which we need to put on and check out that we're wearing them, all eight of them, but uh, uh, we're not able to do that. So we'll just take and pull out a couple of them uh, in particular this evening hour and uh, see what we can do with regard to them as in verse uh, the end of verse 13 and into 14. But unless we have put to death, back up in verse 5, our members, vices upon the earth, and unless we have put off the garments in verses 8 and 9, uh, these garments of verse 12, 13, and 14, they'll, they'll never fit. They, they won't fit. They won't feel right. They won't look right. Unless there's been a mortifying or putting to death and there has been a putting off. In 3.13, God has given us the garment of a forgiving spirit. We have a fairly large closet in the off the bedroom where we lived. You know, one of those walk-in ones. It was bigger than my first bedroom I think I ever had. But you walk in and there's clothes and clothes uh, and clothes and 
this is my wife's, and this is my wife's, and this is my wife's, and this is mine. Don't tell her I said that. She knows it, though. You know, once in a while you get digging in the closet and you find that item that you bought way back when. It's hanging way back there in the closet, and you catch an eye on it once in a while, and you liked it so much when you bought it. That looked so great. And uh, maybe even tried it on. Wow. Got it home. Maybe more at once, maybe twice. And there it is back in the closet. Now, I know none of you got garments like that. But it gets way back in there. You know, the garment of a forgiving spirit. Verse 13, a bearing one with another, forgiving one another. If we're not very, very careful, it can get to be that garment that's pushed way back in there. On the pattern and the foundation of Ephesians 4.32, we read, familiar verse, and be you kind one to another, and what? Tender-hearted, and what? Forgiving one another. How? How do we forgive one another? Yeah, even as. You know what it means? Exactly as, just like, even as. God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And we put that in with there with Ephesians in chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. And be you therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ loved us. As Christ loved us. That has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. A sweet smelling savor. So on the basis, uh, the foundation of the word of God, we are to uh, mimic God. Imitate God. As those that are alive from the dead... We're to forgive each other. We are, we are never more like God than when we are forgiving someone. And it's one of the toughest things for us to do. It does not come natural to us. It's, it just seems so awkward. You know, we, we, we like the garment of forgiveness when someone else is wearing it. It looks so good on them, the garment of forgiveness. But uh, so often we've left it back there in the closet because it don't look right on us. And it might well be because we're not following through on verse 5. There's so many things we haven't put to death in our lives, that it's so very difficult when it comes to the point of, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. It's quite a garment. But there's another one to concentrate on this evening hour. 
That's in verse 14, where he says, above all, Colossians 3, 14, above all these things, of all these I've listed, all these garments, above all these things, put on love. And he identifies what that is. It, it is the, the bond of, of uh, perfection. Kind of rounds out the whole wardrobe that we have uh, Given, been given by God to wear. Quite an impressive list of clothing we've been given to put on. And then he says, put on love. And I might say, you know, I, I've sure been given a lot of things to, to put on already. I'm kind of loaded down here. But above it, which means over it or around it or that which might hold it all together. All these garments put on love. The last piece of the garment uh, kind of like a big, wide belt. Very necessary. To hold everything in place. You know, you take a boy like me off the farm back in the mid-60s. The only suit I'd ever seen in my life was that brother wore it, and that brother wore it, then I got it. And... Uh, the only way I knew how to do anything with a suit was to go out to the barn when I needed the tie tied because my dad could tie a tie, and I don't know why. He never wore a tie in his life, but he could tie my tie. And uh, so after a while, I said, man, you got to learn how to do this. But you take a boy off the farm, take him to college, and... Uh, you're, there's some event that comes along and everyone says, you got to have a tuxedo. I said, what is that? You know, I'm just trying to have a couple nickels to rub, rub together. Well, you got to rent a tuxedo. And you know, you, you get one of those outfits, you get a shirt and a jacket, and sometimes you get shoes, I guess, bow tie. And, and uh, they get this thing, they called it a cumbersome thing. Cumberbund. Now, I've seen a lot of contraptions in my life. When I saw that first, I thought maybe it was one of the things you wear over your shoulder, you know? Tried to figure that out. Put it on, that big old belt. Looked kind of strange with that little bitty silver buckle in the front. That's where I always wear a belt with the buckle in the front. And another one of the know-it-all boys, and I'm glad he was there, walked in the room and he had it on with that big wide part in the front. And I'm not a dummy. I can learn quick. And uh, flipped that thing around and uh, looked good, held everything together nice, and you can dress up an old farm boy and uh, make him look halfway decent. Now this garment that we're reading about, you know, called love, worn properly, makes all the other garments just beautiful. It accentuates all that God has given for us to put on. Love is the bond of perfection or, or completion. The wardrobe God has given for us to put on. Parallel passage here is that of Ephesians 4 and the first three verses, Ephesians chapter 4. And then it reads in this way, Ephesians 4 verse 1, I therefore, <clears throat> the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you 
This is this, this great encourage you. I, I, I deeply uh, put before you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, you know, working hard at to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Put on love. I have nothing against anyone's profession of what you might have. But you know, you could be a great, great car salesman, but not have to love. And you'd be a great plumber, and not have to love. Or a great painter, and not have to love. Well, we read this portion of Scripture, and we think about it a little bit here, and we understand we cannot live a Christ-honoring, genuine Christian life of service for God in the local church. We cannot do it without love. You can try. It won't last long. Remember Galatians 5.22? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Yeah, love is the first... The, the, the first of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and then I, I look over to Second Peter in chapter 1, down at, verse, uh, down at verse 5. He says, but uh, also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Notice the apex, how things are built up. Giving uh, all diligence, add to your faith, Virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. It's at at the apex. Uh, It's at the top, which is what we have here in Colossians, you know. Finally, of all the garments, you must have this garment. It keeps all the others in the order for the beautifulness of the things of God. Ties them all together. It's an area where we can be uh, deficient. Why else would he have to tell us, you know, put on love? There's not one of these situations where some of you men perhaps said to your wife when you married her, I love you. And that was a law of the land, and maybe you haven't said it since. It don't work well. You know, put on love, put on love, put on love. You know, I've never heard a professing Christian say, at least yet in my short life, I never heard anyone, a, 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 a Christian say, my biggest problem in life is I love too much. Do you ever hear that? Or my biggest problem is I pray too much. Or or maybe my biggest problem is I read the Bible and obey it too much. You know, I've never heard anyone say that, and I don't expect I ever will. But now in verse 14, you, you and I are taught... Above all, put on the bond or the uh, the belt, 
of completeness. We recall from Scripture on the day that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, gave his life and he gathered the disciples together and and after, I think, after Judas had gone out from that group around the table and he had that conversations, which John records some very detailed information uh, therein. And he said what? He said, I have a, I got a new commandment. A new commandment I give to you. Now, I like to try to think about what someone might be thinking when they've heard something for the first time like this. So can you kind of imagine, you know, I got a new commandment for you. And one of the disciples might be saying, I got enough trouble with the original ten. And you're going to add another one? I mean, I'll be thinking that. Just imagine with me a little bit. How about old uh, Bartholomew? I say old, if I want very old. But kind of looking out at Peter, sitting there at the table. And he's, you know, how can I love old Big Mouth? I'll work with him, but love him? (laughs) Or maybe, you know, uh, Judas, not Iscariot, kind of looking down the line there at John and saying... Love that dreamer. Sometimes we might look around and think the new commandment. Who am I not loving? Who am I not loving? These these men were just like us. People just like us. A new commandment. So you kind of say, well, all right, it's a new commandment. How much do I have to love them? How much? And how often? Or is it just on Sundays? Or just when I see them? How much? We do take a lot of the scriptures and apply them only when it's downright necessary to our lives. Recall the words of the Savior there in John chapter 13. uh, When he was talking uh, to all the disciples, you might want to find that one, John chapter 13, because I want to move to chapter 15 and read as well. Um, Gospel of John and... Chapter 13. All right, down at verse 34, 35. A new commandment I give to you, John 13, 34, that you love one another. How? You know, as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this we'll all know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter there, Peter just kind of missed all of it, you know, because he was listening to something else. And uh, 
And uh, he was thinking, well, Lord, where are you going? Because the Lord had talked about that. He misses the whole message here. And I've, I've missed a whole lot of messages. When Have you ever done that? Missed the whole message? I think he missed it, and I think Christ picks up on it when you get over to John chapter 15. No, I be, might be wrong. If I am, it's a 3,369,78th time. So uh, I think over there in John 15, verse 8 and uh, following, that Christ picks up on that, which Peter interrupted with regard to, because Peter missed it all. And so we read here in John 15, 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified. Well, that's interesting to us. We want to know how to glorify the Father. That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, says Christ, I have also loved you. Abide in love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Beautiful verse. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I've made known to you. And there's more, of course, You know, it doesn't say to you and I, or to the disciples then, here the disciples now, he doesn't say, well, give it a try. Let's see how it works out. No, he just says, love one another as they are. Love them as they are, And if they're going to be changed, God's Word will change them as you love them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Love one another as they are. When it comes to loving some of the ornery saints such as myself, uh, sometimes it's not easy. We always go back to Christ who loved us, and even as we're to love one another. Remember this, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, charity. And he says, I'm what? I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But noise. The clanging brass or... Lord bless all the clanging symbols, nothing but a symbol, solo. Without the love of Jesus, we're, we're all nothing but noise, noise. And so 13.13 of, of uh, 1 Corinthians, the greatest of these is 
what we're to put on. Love. Now pause once in a while and you say, I wonder who really believes that any longer. You ever notice all the verses we annually leave out just sort of slide over? You ever notice that in the Scriptures? Galatians 5.13 By love, what are we supposed to do? Serve one another. Or Ephesians 4.15 Hold on to the uh, truth How do we hang on to it? In love. It's not a club. Peter's seldom thought of as uh, the man of uh, uh, the authority of love. But you know, Peter speaks about, uh, I'm just going to mention the verses, 1 Peter 1, 22, uh, to love fervently. Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 8, love the brotherhood of the born again. That's not the local engineers or anything, but love the brotherhood. 1 Peter 4, 8, uh, to love God and thus love the brethren with that love. We, We don't want to be those that haven't put on the garment of love the belt of love. We don't want to become sour and bitter and critical. We want to love the one that Christ loved, gave himself for. We're not, not talking about a self-love and some of the things written of uh, love yourself. We're talking about Christ who loved us and we who love another. John, the apostle of love, and there's many verses with his. Why don't you look to one as we close here, because time always wins. 1 John 3.16. Would you find that, 1 John 3.16? Put on love. Put the belt on. And this garment, don't leave it hanging in the closet. Let it do its job that, uh, of holding everything together. Remember this in 1 John 3.16. You think about it. You know, we, we know John 3.16 so well. Here's a great John 3.16 we also need to know very well. When he says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, that we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. The Colossian instruction is to put on love. Put it on. The very throb of the scripture is, you know, to he says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting, the right hand of God, to love itself enthroned there, and uh, have our hearts and minds uh, upon that. Because hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, given unto us by his Spirit. Well, when you look in your closet next time, maybe think on some of the garments and uh, how we doing on wearing the ones that are in here. Thank you.